Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God. Good morning again, everyone. Thank you very much for being here today. As we are gathered here, we are mindful of those who are not able to gather as we are gathered. And there are those today would like to be in church and are able to be here because of mitigating circumstances. But today we want to give God thanks for his presence with us and more than that for enabling us to be here. Amen. Amen. I would like to welcome my brother-in-law here once more. He was here some time ago and he's back. Brother Herman Samuels, thank you very much for being here today. And all our other visiting friends, we're very happy that you're here today. Today I want to talk to you on parables of Jesus. And I'm going to ask you to take out your, your program brochure. And on one side of it, you can take notes so that you can remember some things that I will say today. I am not going to be altogether preaching today, but I'm going to be preaching sometimes, and then I will be teaching sometimes. But both of them go together very well. At this time, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads as we pray. Our Heavenly Father, you are our God. It is your name that we proclaim above every other name. It is your strength that keep us going. It is your grace that has saved us. And now, Lord, it is your kingdom that has embraced us. And today we rejoice just to know that you are our God. And with you, we have nothing to fear. Bless the message to our hearts. Now we pray in Jesus' name. All right. Uh, if you want to see from the screen, you're going to probably want to see over here. Right. Oh, oh you've seen from over there. All right. And uh, we could turn off a little of the lights on this side here. So at least you can see a little better. So uh, we're going to be talking today about the miracles of Jesus. And there are about uh, 35 miracles of Jesus in the Gospels. And Jesus was not the first one to have used parables. As a matter of fact, parables were used in the Old Testament. And uh, you, I will refresh your memory of the story between David and Nathan. After David sinned, Nathan went to talk with him. And Nathan began to talk with him by using a parable. And Nathan said to David, you know, a man had something that was very special. And then, Another man took it away. 
And uh, that was the only one of that kind that that man had. And then Nathan asked David, what should we do with that man? And David said, what did David say? David said that that man should be killed. But he never knew that he was the man. And so today we're going to look at some of the parables of Jesus. So I'm going to ask you now to open your Bibles to the book of Luke. Um, we, we have it here on the screen, so I, I will go through it. I'll read it for you. It says, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 deniras. Now let's call it $500. And the other owed him $50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debtors, the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt. Forgiven. You have judged correctly. Said Jesus. In other words. You are certainly right. Simon. Now. I want to ask you a couple questions. As we go through the message today. Number one. Do you appreciate what Jesus Christ has done for you? Are you sure? Question number two. Does your service to Jesus demonstrate the extent of your appreciation? Don't answer that one. Don't answer that one. Question number three. If you are ungrateful for what Jesus has done for you, what does that indicate? And the final one, if you wish you could do more, what would motivate you to do more? I want you to contemplate these questions as I go through the message today. And I hope that somehow we will find some answers to these questions as we study this parable of Jesus today. Now, Jesus taught a lot in parables. He used this method of teaching very frequently. So now, let's look at some of the reasons. The reason number one is that Jesus taught in parable to reveal truth to those who had spiritual insight. But also to hide it from those who were spiritually blind. That, that, that's uh, kind of challenging. Would Jesus really hide something from you? If it is important for you? But yes, the, the, the parable was, uh, the, the, the way Jesus used the parable had what we call uh, a revelation secrecy. Uh, method 
while it was bringing information to others, it was concealing from others. Then also two more reasons. Jesus used parable to employ a common style of teaching um, uh, that was used by te the teachers of his day. The number three, to reinforce eternal truth in the hearts and minds of his hearers. So now we come to the, the question is, what really is a parable? What really is a parable? Let's look at the definition here. Uh, it's a, a story where we usually say a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Am I right? Good. You're familiar with that definition. Right. But let, let me just say to you here, uh, bring it a little further. That's true, but let's open it a little more. Now, the parable is a story that uses metaphors and similes based on daily life to convey biblical truth. So, the word parable, as it is in the New Testament, comes from the original word, which, mean, which is parabole. Parabole. What it means is, it really means to place alongside of, or to create a comparison. So, what Jesus does is to use a story that was familiar to people, then he places it alongside a new story that he has in his mind so that he can engender interest, create surprises, and at the same time leads to a great understanding of his truth or of his word. Now, the parables have their purposes. What did I say? The parables have their what? Purposes. So let's look at some of the purposes of the parables. Number one, to convey spiritual truth. To call attention to impending judgment. To separate seekers from spectators. While Jesus was teaching, there were those who were listening to what he was saying with an attempt to trap him. Uh, and uh, an example of this is when they, when Jesus was teaching in the temple, and they went, the Pharisees went up to him and said to him, uh, "Tell me something, Jesus." Well, well, let, let's take an, uh, another story. There are several of them, but let me take this one. Let us take the woman who was caught in adultery. The men who brought the woman to Jesus were not interested in punishing the lady. Neither were they interested in punishing the accusers. They brought the woman to Jesus because they want to destroy Jesus. That was their intent. So they asked him a question that would trap him. The question was, this woman was caught in adultery. The Bible says that she should be stoned. What do you say? 
And so Jesus caught very quickly the intent of this question. And so what Jesus did, well, this is a story that you can use for many handles to preach a sermon. But for our illustration this morning, Jesus didn't say a word for a long time. He wrote in the dust. He wrote in the ground. And there are those who believe that he wrote the sins of the men. The Bible doesn't say that. But, you know, and so when, the, when, when Jesus held up his head, the men were gone and the woman was there. But listen to me now. This was the trap. The trap was that at that time, the Jews were ruled by the Romans. So the Roman authority was in charge of Jerusalem. Now, if Jesus said that the, the woman should be stoned, then he would be arrested because he was usurping the authority of the Jews by commanding corporal punishment. That's for the Romans. If Jesus said that she should not be stoned, then he would be stoned by the Jews because he would be putting himself up as the high priest to decide when the law should be enacted. So Jesus was in serious trouble. Very serious trouble. In either way, in either answer, he would be dead. But all he did, that is why sometimes you must talk too much. Don't talk too much. Keep quiet sometimes. And, uh, and people will be surprised. So when... Jesus did all of that. Then the, uh, the people, the men were gone. So the point I'm trying to make here now is that while Jesus was teaching, he spoke in parables so that some of the people who came to trap him would not understand what he was saying. That is the point I'm trying to make here. But I give you an example. Now, the, 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 the purpose of the parable is to separate humble hearts from religious speculators and pundits. Next, the purpose of the parable is to promote kingdom principles. So all of Jesus' parables, although he used common things in life, yet the intent was to lift up Jesus Christ himself to advance the kingdom of God and to call sinners to repentance. Now, Jesus had two groups of listeners. What did I say, church? Jesus had two groups of listeners in his audience. Number one, we had the detractors. The detractors. Now, of course, the Bible tells us who the detractors were. These people honored me with their lips. Are you following me, church? But their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. 
Their teachings are merely human rules. And that is in Matthew chapter 15. So here it is that these people would come along. And they really were not interested in what Jesus was saying. All that they were interested in is what they could get for themselves. And so here it is that Jesus was teaching and then there were those who were detracting from his message. Now the detractors, who were they? They were big on command and little on personal obedience. They were big on appearance, but they were little on reality. In other words, they would talk a lot. They would present themselves forward as a lot. But they were not bedded in the real things of life. Then they were big on rules and little on godliness. And of course these were the Pharisees. Then we have apart from the detractors we have the seekers. Now which group would you want to be in? Would you want to be in the group of seekers? Alright good. Now that is the best group to be in. For Jesus was talking to the seekers. One day, and this is what he says to them. He says what? But seek ye first what? What should the seeker be seeking? Seek ye first what? The kingdom of God. We're going to seek first the what? The kingdom of God. And what else? And his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. So what seekers do? First of all, Seekers, they seek first the kingdom of God. What seekers do? They seek first the what? The kingdom of God. Your, your first interest should be to please God. That is, that is your first duty. That is your first responsibility as a human being. Even if you're not a Christian, even if you haven't met Jesus Christ yet, one of the best things for you to do is to set out to please God. Because listen, if you spend all your time trying to please all the people, you're going to be frustrated, am I right? Because you will never ever be able to please all the people. You will please some of the people some of the time. That's right. And you will please them so much until they get tired of you. So even if you are pleasing them, they are going to get tired of, of you being pleasing them. Good. So seek first the kingdom of God. That's what seekers do. What seekers do, church? Seekers what? Seek first what? The kingdom of God. Then seekers, what do they do? They seek first for the righteousness of Christ. And then after they have sought the kingdom of God, after they have sought the righteousness of Christ, then they see material things as secondary. Secondary. But you know, the world has it upside down. What the world does is to seek after the material things first. Am I right? And when I am all right, when I have it made, 
and I don't have anything to do, then I give God what is left. But you know, God is very merciful. And even if at the last minute, you bring what is left, you bring it genuinely, you come repentantly, you come with fear in your heart, and you come humbly before him, Jesus Christ is still going to accept it. Am I right? But don't wait until it's too late. Make sure that we spend our life and our time serving Jesus. Now here in the text that we, we read today, and the parable that we're going to focus on here for a while, is that Jesus was at Simon's house. And this is what happened. He accepted this invitation to, de- to dine with a Pharisee. Simon was a Pharisee. And the Pharisees, you know, they were all different kinds. They, uh, they were about two dozen different kinds of Pharisees. They were even have those that they called the Benbach Pharisees. They were so holy that they couldn't walk upright. They were so sanctimonious. That they have to walk with their backs bent. So they were different kind. But you know. While Jesus was there at Simon's house. A woman came by. And this woman stood behind Jesus. And she was weeping. She, while she was weeping. She was washing Jesus' feet. With her tears. And she was, she was wiping his feet with her hair. And she was kissing Jesus' feet. And she, she, was, she was anointing Jesus' feet with very ex- expensive perfume. It is called Spice Nod. And Spice Nod was the most expensive perfume in Jesus' days. It was so expensive that in order for the poor to buy it, they had to work for not less than one year and save up all the money that they worked to buy it. It was very expensive. And so here it is that uh, as Jesus was there and the woman was there, oh, uh, by the way, uh, there's a mistake in the text there. It means uh, Luke 7, 39 to 40. All right? So it's not Luke 7, 39. Okay, something is missing from in between. Alright, so here it is. That while the woman was wiping Jesus' feet with her, with her hair. And anointing him with her expensive spice nod. Simon came over to Jesus and said. You could never be a prophet. As a matter of fact. If you are a prophet, you are a prophet with a common P. And Jesus listened to him very carefully. And then Jesus decided to convey a message to Simon. But he didn't do it in the regular way. What Jesus did was to use a parable. All right? And here it is. And he says, And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, 
I have somewhat to say to you or to thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50 pence. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Now, this woman was Mary Magdalene. Who was this one? Mary Magdalene. As a matter of fact, Mary was a common name in Jesus' days. Most women were called Mary. Do we have anybody here by that name, Mary? Right. It was, it was a, a well-loved name. So you always say Mary Magdalene. But do you know why you say that? Because it is Mary from Magdala. They had to identify her. They didn't want to mix her with, say, Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know, or any of the other Marys. So they call her Mary Magdalene. What it means that she was from Magdala. Like how, you know, if you live in Hollywood, they would say you are even from Hollywood. You understand? Beautiful. So Mary of Magdala. But the interesting thing about this story is that Simon, it is believed that Simon led this woman Mary into prostitution. And so, when Simon, a Pharisee, invited Jesus to his home, Mary showed up. And then while she was there, touching the feet of Jesus, you know, and uh, yes, while he was there touching the feet of Jesus, then Simon said, you couldn't be a prophet. And if you're a prophet, you're a prophet with just a common pea. You're an ordinary prophet because if you were a prophet, you would know how terrible life this woman had, had, had lived. You would know how how notorious a sinner she is. You would know all of the wretched thing that she has done. You know, when I was a, a, a little boy growing up in the Church of God church, there were a lady who used to testify. And there used to have a lot of testimony service. And Sunday nights, oh, we would have some good service. And I used to, as a little boy, I used to knock this tambourine, you know. And I used to enjoy knocking it, you know. Very good. So they did. And they used to have the testimony service. I never forget this lady's testimony. It's a long time now. But I still remember it. Every night she would testify. She would say. Oh we call her Sister Sissy. Yes I remember her name. Sister Sissy. Do we have anybody here by the name of Sissy? It's not you. It's not you. It's not, it's not this Sissy here. But it's Sister Sissy. And Sister Sissy would testify. She would say, thank God. I want to thank Jesus for saving a wretched wretch like me. Oh, man. And you know, I used to think about it. I used to say, but she's very hard on herself. But when I turn the light on myself, I see that I was even more wretched wretch than she was. And all of us could say that about ourselves. 
You know, but Mary was a wretched wretch. But you know, the Bible says that Jesus cast seven devils, devils out of her. There are those Bible scholars who believe that Jesus forgave her seven times. Because she got over this prostitution. She left town. She went and got a good job. When she came back in town, she met old Simon again. And the story started over. But here she was at Jesus' feet. Wiping it. Wiping his, her, uh, his feet with her, with her hair. Taking care of Jesus. I don't know how far you have come from. I don't know what you have done in life. But I always say to people. Don't go back to what you have left. Once you have walked away from it. By God's grace. Stay away from it. But I always say to people to back that up. I say to you. Don't forget where you are coming from. Never forget where God has brought you from. Because the moment you, you forget where God has brought you from, pride is going to take over. But when you remember where God has brought you from, and where what you have done, and how he has saved you, and sanctified you, and cleaned you up, it serves as a reminder of the mercies and the grace of God. Not only that, it humbles your heart to know that God could think about you so much. Oh yes. So here it is. That Jesus decided to answer Simon. So what he did was to use this parable. And he said that there was this debtor. Two of them. One debtor owed 500 pence. How many pence? 500 pence. One debtor owed 50 pence. Now, how much more did the first debtor hold? You'd have to subtract that from the 500. What do you get? 400 and what? 50. All right, 450. Now here it is, that one only owed 50 and one owed 500. Now there's another parable that is similar to this because Jesus uses, you know, the same story and brings out a different meaning. But this one here is, is the one we're going to talk about. We're going to concentrate on. So here it is. That this debtor. So Jesus asks. Look at the stocks of money on that side. And look at the small amount on this side. So. Which one would be more grateful? That is what Jesus is saying. So, so, so Jesus was saying to Simon. Leave this woman alone. You don't know where she's coming from. She's coming from far. My grace has brought her here. Oh, and so she's so grateful for what the grace of Almighty God has done in her life. That she has come to pay her tribute or to render her appreciation. You know, God loves an appreciative heart. And that is why heaven is always filled with praise. Heaven is always filled with what? Praise. So you should be not, uh, not just a praying Christian, but you should be a praising Christian. What kind of Christian are you to be? 
a praying Christian and also what? A praising Christian because of what God has done for you. Now, if Christ has forgiven us, we also have the responsibility to forgive others. Am I right? For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. You bought the, you know, the proverbial but. You know the but is, is a but, the word but is a very interesting word in the English language, you know. It's like, it's like the hinges on your door. But is like the hinges on your door. You swing your door open. And once the door is open, it means that anything can go in and go out. Am I right? Beautiful. When the door is closed, unless the door is open, nothing can go out. Am I right? Good. So, in the first statement, the door is closed. But when Jesus introduced the but, a new idea is going to spring forth. And what is that new idea, teacher? The new idea says, but if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly father forgive you of your trespasses. You know, one of the hardest things in life is to forgive people. It's not easy. And that's why many marriages have broken up. That is why some people, some parents and their children don't talk for years. That is why some parents, some children don't talk to their parents for years. Because they cannot find it in their heart to forgive. But let me tell you something, my friend. I want you to understand that malice is like termite. What did I say? Malice is like what? Termite. You know what's a termite? What it does. You might see a building that stands up as if it is strong. But when termites go inside there, and when termite infest it, and when termite eats in 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 every part of that building, even the concrete, after a while, what is going to happen to that building? It's going to crumble. Am I right? So malice is like termite in the heart of human being. If you want to be free, you must forgive. Let me tell you what, what malice does. Malice eats away at your heart and breaks down your immune system because once you malice people, it means that you don't have an open heart. Your heart is closed. You understand? And I thank God. I'm looking at you here and I'm so happy that all of you have an open heart. So beautiful. Look at you. Your hearts are open. Yes. That's how it ought to be. Keep it that way. Amen? Keep your heart open. That's right. Don't close it. Because listen, if you close it, you're going to find it difficult to open again. But I say to you this morning, today, that God wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to be what? All right, now let's, let's look at a couple lessons that we can learn from this story here this morning. 
Let's look at a couple things. Number one, yeah. The debtor in this story represents us. We are all debtors. Am I right? We have sinned against God. Am I right? For all have sinned and have what? Come short of what? Of the glory of God. Are you a sinner? Yes. You know when I was in school. Uh, and uh, at West Indies College many years ago. There was a, a, a student there. And uh, I won't call his name. Because you might know him. We called him. After a while we gave him a nickname. We called him Baby Jesus. Yes, you know why we call him Baby Jesus? Because he said that he had never sinned. He had never sinned. Let me tell you something. And I, was, I saw somebody who, who knows him there that day and I was asking for, what happened to baby Jesus? And he was telling me that baby Jesus is still alive, but he has not made much of his life. You see, you have to be honest with yourself. You have to be honest with yourself. We have all sinned, am I right? Beautiful. Now, the sin that we have committed, according to Isaiah 59 and verse 2, it says, but your iniquity has separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So this great chasm, this grace, this great gulf, sin has separated us from God. And so God wants to reach us. So you know how God reaches us? God brings down Jesus and places Jesus inside of this gulf. Then Jesus puts one foot over one side and put one foot over and, and his hands over the other side, held on on this gulf and say, come now, walk on me. Walk on me. And we can walk on Jesus and go to God. Amen? Oh yes. So today, we can learn that our debt is huge. It is what? Huge. You know, when my children were small, they taught me a word. They, they never used the word small. They would use the word humongous. But we can't pay for that. Am I right? But Jesus can. For he says, for God sent not his son into the world to what? To condemn the world, but what? But the world through him might be what? Saved. Who is going to save you, church? Can you save yourself? No. That's why the songwriter says, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left the crimson stain. He washes white as snow. So here it is. Our, our sins, our debt, huge. The payment impossible. We couldn't pay it. But then Jesus Christ came and he pays it, pays it for us. For God what? Sent not his son into the world to what? To condemn the world, but that the world through him might be what? Saved. Thank God for Jesus. What do you say, church? So the lessons here. God's grace makes it possible for us to have our debt forgiven. Am I right? Oh, yes, it is through the grace of God 
Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. It says, for by grace are we what? Saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is the what? The gift of God. You can work for salvation. Then here it is, my friends. This is my final illustration for you today. Look at this huge uh, What do you call it? A scale? I call it a balance. All right, beautiful. That's what you call it? A balance. All right, beautiful. All right? Now, in this balance, the first thing is our sin. All right? Is our sin. How huge is your sin? My, my, one, my one is huge. You couldn't hold in this room. Humongous. That's right. My one is humongous. So much so that, you know, it, uh, it, it, it tilts the scale at one time. And uh, my sins were way down the side. All right, so that's my sin. Of course, it is our sins also. Am I right? Beautiful. So this is how we are saved. Our sins are there, large, great. We can't even deal with it. And then Jesus Christ sends his grace. What he sends? His grace. And then God's grace tilts the scale. Yes. It tilts it. It tilts it. But then your, your sins are so heavy that it is still holding it on the other side. Holding it on the other side. But listen. God's grace is so powerful. That it tilts the scale in your favor. So I want to ask you now. How heavy are your sins? How heavy? How heavy are they? How heavy are they? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how heavy your sins are. It doesn't count how heavy they are. For the grace of God can tilt the scale in your favor. And I'm so glad today that I have Jesus Christ on my side. I am so glad today that he tilts the scale on my behalf. So Jesus makes it possible for us to be free from the debt of sin. Do you want to be free today? Oh, yes, he says, for God so what? Loved the world that he what? Gave his what? Only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So today, my friend, Mary's story is my story. Thank you so much. Mary's story is your story. I want to ask you today, do you love Jesus? Do you really love him? And if you love him, if you love him, are you showing your appreciation for what he has done for you? And so back to those questions that I asked you earlier on. Having now, again, be reminded today of the great gifts of salvation 
God's grace to all of us. Are you appreciative enough for what Jesus Christ has done for you? I trust today, right now, that if you were in Simon's house, that Jesus would be able to use this same story because of your measure of forgiveness and your measure of gratitude. Stop complaining and griping. You complain too much. We worry too much. You know, in one of the readings uh, for this week for, for our 40 days of worship, I mean 40 days of prayer, and the Wednesday, it says we should not fear. As a child of God, we should not fear. Fear. Don't fear the present and don't fear the future. Put your trust in Jesus Christ. Put your trust in God. There are some things that are happening in your life now that you can't explain. And there are some things that are going to happen in your life tomorrow that you will never, ever, able to explain. But trust in Almighty God. Oh yes. Mary's story is our story. But I am happy for the grace of God. Today, I offer you this grace. And so if there's someone here today, you want to embrace the grace of God, I invite you now to bow your heads as we pray. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for taking care of our debt. We want to thank you, Jesus, for providing the sacrifice that we need. Now, oh God, we open our hearts to you now. We pray that as we go from here today, we will go with the assurance that our sins are forgiven. Our names have been removed from the book of death to the book of life. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you will help us to trust you even when we are battling adversities and and things are not going in the right direction. Help us to trust you. Oh God. Help us to appreciate you. We thank you. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is working through this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life. Please let us know by sending an email at podcast at savinggracesda.org. As the Holy Spirit impresses you, you may also support this ministry financially by visiting savinggracesda.org.